Welcome to the Bakesh Podcast. My name is Don. I'm Scott. And uh, we have new recording equipment, so either we are more awesome than you remember, or I apologize in advance. And then we'll soon someday be more awesome than you remember. Yes. Yes. I'm watching the levels, okay. and they're doing well. I want to look at, is it like pretty pictures on it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, see, oh. there's a little bar. Like we want, we want to stay around. up and down. Yeah. 12 is kind of our goal. You know, I really want to yell on it right now to just watch them go really high. Um, be like, Phew. Let me take that. Wait, here. I can make them go high without yelling at it. Ready? Okay. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Um just by getting too close. But yeah, this see where the 12 is? Mm-hmm. That's about where we want to stay. Okay. That's our number. So we have a, uh, for you audiophiles, it's a Zoom H4N Pro. For everybody else, it's a cool recorder thing. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm glad. See, I have to face it towards you again because oh, okay. now I just want to stare at the little bars that oh, go sorry. up and down. And all the times going. And yeah, that's my little ADD like at its best right there. I'm like, ooh, little pretty lines that go up and down, and they're actually really not pretty. They just bounce up and down. Nah. Um, but anyway, I, I kept watching it. Uh, so we went from old computer and a Scarlet 2i2 uh, interface, which worked great for what we needed, to this, which I have only practiced at home with my kids. So this is our first live. Like We have not uh, tried it in the, in the wild yet. Wow. So first podcast, first very big trial i push the little triangle button when i want to play something excellent <laughs> yeah that's, um, that's all i got man yeah. <laughs> actually i'm gonna i'm gonna back your mic just a little okay yeah, you got a, you got a nice strong voice that is why the other one must not have ever gotten <laughs> okay so no, my, but we're good. my little bar bounces higher than your bar i don't know <laughs> like, boom. everybody at home's like actually the best part is this will make it a little bit easier for audio editing mm-hmm. uh not to get too nerdy I have us both set up in a mono uh, channel so I can um, edit our stuff separately. Do I have to speak monotone? No, mono meaning one channel. Stereo. So so if you're louder than me, I can turn you down. If I'm louder than you, I can turn me down. Okay, okay. So, so my right, the right or left channel? I think you're left. You're left. I'm left channel? Yes. Okay. Congrats. I was like, <laughs> but when, they, when everybody else hears it, you'll be through both ears. Okay. So... So right now I'm the left ear. When everyone hears me, I'm everybody's ear. Correct. Okay. Yep. I got that. I got that. It actually makes it sound really weird in the headphones, but that's all right. Unless one side breaks down, then I'm only that side. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that'd be both of us then. Right. If I do this right. So then we're both that side. Yes. Okay. So. So. All right. There you guys have it. There's there's a nerdy talk. Yeah. Yeah. We we are upgrade. Bobcatch is upgrade. We want to thank our sponsors. Um. we don't have any. No. Uh, we'd like to thank our Patreons. Wait, we don't. We don't have a Patreon. No. Um, we can let's start making up names or something. Yeah. Um, we'd like to thank our side hustles. <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to thank all the old equipment are? I sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's our jobs, eBay. Um, no, actually, I did a lot of Facebook Marketplace to get oh, rid of some of that okay. old old gear. I've got some more old gear. I'm going to try and sell to upgrade some more gear here. Okay. So if you want to make it so I don't have to keep selling stuff in dark parking lots in a small podunk town in Ohio, you can support us by sending us cash and credit cards. You, you, you know, like the whole credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Not just yeah. the donation, the whole credit yeah, card. Yeah, because we're going to need that little number on the back. <laughs> the, little, the three like, numbers. Mine, mine is where... Uh, okay. La- 
this is why nobody listens. <laughs> I was uh, getting pizza at a, a local national pizza establishment mm-hmm. um, because that's how my family lives, I guess, on pizza. And uh, the lady like couldn't get the card reader to work, so they were punching in all the cards, like not just mine, everybody's. Right. And my the little three digit code on the back was like rubbed off on mine, and she thought it, like something that was like. It was supposed to be like a zero or whatever. She thought it was like a five or a six. Like uh-huh. the way it was rubbed off. She kept putting it. She's like, your card is declined, sir. I can't get your... And I'm like, what's going on? My card's yeah. declined. And then like, you know, after a small conversation, she's like, maybe maybe I got the wrong number because it's kind of rubbed off. I'm putting this in. And I was like, oh, no. And I was like, I think it's that. You know, trying to get a number in there. So that was fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So send us a whole credit card and we'll buy all the new equipment your limit affords us. Absolutely. Um, so if you want to put our, your max on there too, that just is helpful. So we don't get the, t- yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to get you extra fees like emba- over the limit. It's embarrassing when your card gets declined or when your card gets declined and, and I'm using it. I mean, I mean, we don't, we don't need much more, but you know, if you want to pay for a few months of hosting, or, <laughs> uh, you know, these are nice microphones, but we could always get nicer. <clears throat> We we'll get those Sure SM7Bs and be like super professional. This is like four fifty a piece. Get like a huge recording studio. Oh yeah, you could buy us a recording studio. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, man. someday we got to do a uh, what are they, a Kickstarter. Oh yeah, and get all the neat. Can stuff. Can we have pets? Sure. Like a penguin. Okay. Oh yeah. Can, Can you order <laughs> penguins? <laughs> we we would like you to support our podcast, and we need a pet penguin. Uh, I mean, they don't make a lot of noise, but they look really cool wandering around. We do videos. That'll okay. get us our video. Oh, yeah. We could get video equipment. And you guys could see our ugly faces. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be starting soon, hopefully, like a YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, I've already got it claimed. And we do, I don't know if I, we want to like, disclose Actually, it'll be, our... it'll be claimed by the time this one's released. Oh, okay. I mean, it'll be up and going. Okay, cool. Because so. we, have, we have to start recording those. And we've well, we got some really funny slash fun ideas for some of our uh, YouTube... YouTube yeah. ideas. And starting with Hosea, um, you should be able to listen to it on YouTube as well oh, as okay. uh, the podcast app of your choice. Okay. That's our that's the goal. So you could be watching this slash listening to this on YouTube. Okay. I talked to uh not talked to, but I kinda had a text messagey back and forth <laughs> with another podcast guy who's a huge apologetics uh fan and he said that he gets um He's been around for a year, and because he's doing apologetics, which is a much bigger genre than Bible study, unfortunately, um, he's pretty much double the amount of listeners that we have. Oh wow! Uh, on podcast downloads, and he's uh, getting thousands of YouTube people listening on YouTube. <clears throat> so it is a viable medium for people that want to listen. Okay, I guess people do use that to listen to podcasts. Okay, so hopefully we can, you know spread out a little bit or if it's more convenient for you to use youtube um we'll be on there with mm-hmm. Ho- starting with hosea which okay. we're on chapter five so you know five episodes ago you were listening to us all maybe. right on youtube but yeah and we'll make a announcement video i guess okay maybe we should yeah. do that we should we should do that yeah i think yeah. we've only got one or two more deuteronomies to post okay but we'll talk about that later because we're yeah. seven we're minutes not in, in deuteronomy we're, on, yeah. we're in hosea deuter what right there's no whores in Deuteronomy. Deuter- whore? I think what? So. There's no whores in Deuteronomy. Oh, oh, yeah, there probably is. I'm sure right. Moses yelled at them for playing the whore. I don't think we talked about that. Oh. But no, okay. Yes, but there's plenty of whores here. And yeah, that's either Israel or Gomer. Yeah. Or, well, actually, there's a lot of them. That's why God's yeah. getting mad. And I think we talked about that last week and a couple weeks ago where God gets ma- mad at the men because if they weren't participating in, in that whorish 
um, Baal sex worship under a tree with soon to be married virgins, yeah. then it'd be a very different story. Right. Um, by the way, if you have kids in the car, um, <laughs> uh, well, five minutes ago, you should have <laughs> stopped it, paused it, and yeah. But I, you know what? At this point, if you're if, on if Hosea you're five, yeah, you you already figured it out with Hosea one, one one. Maybe it was one two, but it didn't get far right. um, before we started talking about uh, about that horish worship. So with that, um, let's get into Hosea five. Um, we're going to start off reading Hosea 5, 1 through 4. Um, we originally started looking at some NIV, but uh, have strayed back to our ESV <laughs> versions um, with I, maybe yeah. various references to NIV, but most of the time we're, we're once again reading out of the ESV. So if you bought an NIV because um, Hosea 1, you're like, oh, they're using the NIV? Whoops, sorry. Well, um, we, we found some translation issues. <laughs> <laughs> and when he says some, lots. Yeah. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and get started. <clears throat> Hear this, O priests. Pay attention, O house of Israel. Give ear, O house of the king, for the judgment is for you. For you have been a snare at Mitzpah and a net spread upon Tabor, and the revolters have gone deep into slaughter, but I will discipline all of them. I know Ephraim and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, O Ephraim, you have played the whore. Israel is defiled. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God, for the spirit of whoredom is within them, and they know not the Lord. All right, so. That's cheery. All right, yes. So um, when I mentioned horror a minute ago, that was the Bible. So um, you can't argue with that. <laughs> no, my notes just got moved. You know, um, once again, if you've been listening any amount of time and you're you're in this Hosea study, I assume that you know that there's some strong wording. Yep. Which is funny. I never really thought of that word as a bad word mm-hmm. as a kid. It wasn't until later I found out that some people do consider that as a swear. So, Well, really, so like I was... This this week I was just kind of thinking I was like you know we really should have more rated our our more rated our um, sermons in church because when you really think about it like there is a lot of rated R content inside uh, the Bible and then I was listening actually after I'd already kind of come up or thought about that I was listening to a podcast who's like you know let's think about some of those children's stories that you studied like when you were kids. And, you know, you're like, well, you know, you're talking about David and the, the um, you know, the Goliath story. And then you're like, oh, but you, you never mentioned, you know, that they chopped off his head or, you know, like later on that he cut off the foreskins of the, uh, you know, the Philistines. And I was like, hmm, yeah. Or Daniel and the lions, you know, like what happened well, afterwards. Let's even take a minute to think of Noah's Ark. Like drowning is a horrible way to go. And the whole earth was flooded. <laughs> I mean, if we're like, and, and I'm kind of stealing this from my pastor, but we're like, oh, let's put the ark with the animals in it in our nursery. Like, <laughs> and you get a giraffe and an yeah. elephant. And like, it's like if that if it was like legit, there'd be like bodies floating by. Like, it's not a pleasant read, you know, and not a pleasant thing to think about. We're just chronologically so far removed from mm-hmm. it. We're like, oh yeah, those people didn't matter. Well, you know what? Look, Daddy. There, there's you know. your uh, best friend, Joe. That's that's trauma, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that, anyway, all that to so, say. Back mm-hmm. to the strong language of Hosea. So, um, hear this, O priests. Um, I think right there he is definitely calling and 
uh, getting everyone's attention. And specifically, I think we see him getting the attention of the priests. He is getting uh, attention of Israel, being everyone themselves. And he is getting attention of um, the king or the royal family or the royal house, uh, maybe the king and the officials. Um, at first, I thought this this was like really meant for everyone. And there is still that part that it is meant for everyone, but actually the harshest um, was actually for the royal house themselves. Mm. Um, and apparently, according to Elizabeth, um, which is the commentary that I've been using, and um, I guess I should tell you what that is in the beginning but well you know hopefully we'll have that like yeah. on our site and we'll have a nice resources um, section i could fill out maybe okay. i can make that a goal okay cool i'm gonna make a note of that one he's gonna make a note of that yeah. um but apparently uh she says that usually um in triads in the bible the emphasis usually follows on the third member um and currently the third member would be the royal house um do you have anything or? Yes. Resources section on Bakesh site. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I want to make sure I do that. Uh, the one thing that is we read a lot about in Hosea, how this judgment is coming. It's going to be here. If you don't change, you got to be careful. Uh, we just have this over and over. It seems like warnings without a time, without a distance, or they're off in the distance. Uh, the translation theory here often fights over that for the judgment is for you, uh, where it could actually be rendered for the judgment is now on you, meaning it's eminent. It's happening right now. You're, there's no more time to wait. Here it is. Mm -hmm. So there, there's also a timing structure with this that could be playing into it. That it's, it's too late. It's here. Right. Um, listen up. There's nothing you can do about it, but it's already here. Mm -hmm. So, um, deal with it. <laughs> deal with it deal with it deal with it <laughs> um the snare that he uses um House of Israel. hey did, did your did elizabeth uh the commentator uh, is what i'll call her mm -hmm. um did she have any insights i had no reason that uh mitzvah and tabor were named so she did not mention mitzvah or tabor but um she did not mention mention um uh tabor or mitzvah um, she ultimately, though, talked about whatever was going on there. Um, it was mostly the revolters that that is is kind of what's being addressed. Yeah, that's what um, yeah. when when they when she use it when you use the word snare, that's usually used for catching birds. A net would be used for catching game, but that's not um, what the the royal house or, or the king is in, in doing. Um, ultimately, they are catching people and revolters. Um, so anything that is anyone that is opposing the way that that the leadership is addressing Israel and, and um, any of the unjust or ungodly leadership that is coming out of the royal house or the king, um, anyone that basically would go against it, that's um, who is being slaughtered. Um, so they didn't necessarily give specific examples, but said whatever is probably going on there, um, it's dealing with those that are ultimately having a problem with the unjust leadership and they are basically taking care of it. Um, and usually it's with their lives. Yeah. The, uh, and I can't recall his name cause I still don't know it <laughs> and I'll, I'll know it by chapter 14. Okay, cool. Um, he says that the snare and the net are most likely pointing to the sins committed by Israel and okay. they have basically trapped and ensnared themselves. Okay. Um, so yeah, you know, it's kind of up there in the air, but, uh, apparently somehow the bad people are being trapped, whether it's they did it to themselves via their sin mm -hmm. or whether it's um, 
some form of judgment is coming on them. Yeah. Um, and so either way, um, the roll vultures have gone into deep slaughter, but I will discipline all of them. So I don't, I, I think even the, so anyway, so that's kind of what it sounds like at least. And then that part right there. Yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, just the, <clears throat> would you continue on into two? Oh, yeah, three. Uh, they say, but I will, uh, discipline all of them. Basically there's, there's so deep in it. There's no one's getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Like there's no other way to escape this, which if you think about it, that is, it, it does really go back up to the, the timing structure of this for the judgment is now on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no escaping this. Like there, once again, it just seems very imminent. Uh, where, like I said, a lot of times the warnings seem like, oh, that's off in the future. You know, like either A, I've got time to change. I don't have to worry about it right now. Or B, like, oh, yeah, like it'll ever happen. Like I'll ever see that in my lifetime kind of thing. But right. Hosea seems to be making a point to say, it's here. Right. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, Bakesh, deal with it. That's deal our new it. tagline. Deal with it. I've spoken. Too much I Mandalorian. <laughs> I was just about to say, I love that. I was telling Sarah when we were watching The Mandalorian, I was like, you know, I'm just going to say that in class all the time. By the, by the time this releases, you guys will be watching season two. Right, of Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, I use that way too much now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so verse three and four, I know. So when he goes, I know Ephraim. Um, this is kind of a big intimate deal. Um, this is not just like I know about someone. I know it is you like you know someone as a husband knows his wife. Um, and so when God is saying, I know Ephraim and Israel is not hidden from me, um, for now Ephraim you have played the horse, he is saying, oh, I genuinely really know you. Um, yep. Yeah, there's a, what's funny is that section ties into the end of, not to go too far ahead, but it ties into the end of verse 4 where um, you can read, I know Ephraim and Israel is not hidden from me and they know not the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's like a word play there saying basically like, I know Israel, but Israel don't know me. Right. It's a, it's kind of a sad statement Mm -hmm. uh, that God is reiterating that like, you think you know me, but you don't, but all that in the middle, um, Oh, Ephraim, you have played the whore. Israel is defiled. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. Uh, He's pointing out that like, you have all of these, uh, or you've done all these like cultic practices. You've like basically defiled yourself, made yourself unclean. Uh, but Israel in, let me kind of start again. So in three, it says, Oh, Ephraim, you have played the whore. I just spit all over my screen. You have played the whore. I'm sh- we need a post of, I'm sure I just, <laughs> uh, you have played the whore. Israel is defiled. And then in the next verse, he says, their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. So despite the fact that they are defiled, they're still apparently keeping the law, quote unquote, there's mm-hmm. air quotes there, um, and trying to return to God because this is their deeds do not permit them to return to God. So they're still obsessed with purity and what they're supposed to be doing. So there's definitely that syncretism at play here. They're off doing their own thing and then they come back and tell God they're sorry. They're, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's like the, like, God, I'll never do that again if you only make sure this happens. And then once that happens, they go off and do it again, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. In the Uh, beginning of verse 5, we see how that that kind of carries over because it says, the pride of Israel testifies to his face. So it's that very idea of... Israel is taking pride in their corrupted Baal worship. Like they're like, well, they're also, they're, they're taking pride in their Yahweh worship. 
Oh yeah, that is corrupted by Baal worship. Right, right. So, yeah, it's even a little more because because they're not disgusting. really even sure that you know they're they're thinking they're doing something right and yet not. Yeah, so I'll go to what some would consider closed-minded, but it's like the person that has the Buddha statue and they light incense before it because they feel it brings them calm, and then they go to church on Sunday and raise their hands in hallelujah mm-hmm. and take communion. It's it's the same exact thing. Well, and you cannot convince me otherwise. Well, it shows that you it shows that you have um, that the leadership of, of Israel at this time um, is not doing their job by by teaching the people on how to really go before Yahweh the way that he wanted them to. I mean, really in Deuteronomy and, and even before that. Um, but really, you can even carry that over into the context of our current generation of of there is an important role for the church and the leadership of the church um, to to genuinely make sure that they are shepherding the people in a way that's godly mm-hmm. in a way that leads them towards God um, because there's so many ways of being able to um, I mean there's so many I guess in Deuteronomy we call it Canaanite Christianity but mm-hmm. there's so many things in our world that gets intermixed with within um, the, the Christian church and and what happens is we kind of move on to some of that Baal worship or we add that to our Christianity even today so it's important that that our churches and our leadership are, are continually making sure that we're focused on on, on God and, and on the way that he desires for us to be obedient and honor him and I'm uh, <clears throat> so pulling more nerd stuff into this um I'm a moderator on a Reddit forum for specifically Reformed theology. Um, it baffles my mind that within the Reformed, we have the Presbyterians. Mm-hmm. Like, not the loosey-goosey Presbyterians, even though some of them show up, but we have, like, the Presbyterians, right? Like, the frozen chosen. But some of the questions about what sins are permissible that come up sometimes shock me. I'm like, you're the theological neatnik, but you're wondering how far is too far with your fiance. Isn't a sin a sin? Like, I always remember uh, Jim Holland, PhD, mm-hmm. no, or whatever the heck he, <laughs> no, no. Uh, former MA youth pastor, I don't know, whatever, um, saying like, the the case isn't how close can you get to the line without going over? It's why do you want to get close to the line in the first place? If you're honoring God, why would you even want to, I mean, right. why would you even want, why would you to, want go to get there? to the right. line? Why should sin even be a thing? Why? Well, I mean, we have, what is it that our, you know, the world, the f- flesh <laughs> and the devil, like right. our three combatants. So yeah. Why, why is it? Why do we want to do, you know, things that are, not permissible because mm-hmm. the world, the flesh, and the devil like, right. coax us that way. Um, but yeah, w- why should we be looking to the Christians to help us excuse our sin? That's a whole nother... But, but our changed hearts should still not want to go there even when we do. Um, right. I'm, I'm 100% with you. I think that there's a lot of room for the Holy Spirit to work on a heart. Oh, and agreed, agreed. You know, it's going to... Yeah. I, I always... This is man. This is a nerd episode. So when the Empire Strikes Back, uh, <laughs> they're on the planet Hoth and they're trying to get the Millennium Falcon up and ready to run. And uh, Chewbacca's down in this hole in the spaceship, like trying to fix stuff. And Han Solo is like, "This one goes over there. That one goes over here." I'm at like sometimes I put that image into my head when I'm thinking about how the Holy Spirit works in our heart. Mm-hmm. Like we're in there trying to fix things, like Chewbacca. We're trying to put things in one place, put them in another place, and the Holy Spirit's like. 
this goes over here, that goes mm. over there. Like this needs to stay in your heart. That needs to come out of your heart. Right. You know, um, I I feel that that is part of our progressive sanctification, our ongoing mm-hmm. changing more into the likeness of who God is and Second Corinthians three, you know, kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I know what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. why our conscience should be pricked at that point, right? And uh, uh, it looks like Israel, their conscience was pricked, but they just didn't care, right? And which so, is sad and scary. So, so this week I was I was studying um, chapter five, and it's one of those that whenever I study the Bible, I sometimes get scared because God teaches me what I study in the Bible. So when we started Hosea. I thought I was so you most, started worshiping idols. Well, okay, okay, go on. I'm sorry, yeah. should have done. I, I, I'm not saying no, um, <laughs> and and so like as I was studying, I was like, well, I've got nothing to worry to worry about. I mean, I, I am I'm not a whore that um, ends up participating in bail sex uh, with um, idols of the heart and Vanity Fair. There's a <laughs> a great paper you should read. I think it's Richard oh. Loveless. But sorry, go on. And, and that uh, you know that participates in bail sex with um, soon to be married virgins. I was like, I'm safe here, right? And I was like, the only thing that could go wrong is if my wife's cheating on me. And, and as far as I know, that's not happening. And so I was like, Ooh, what what can God teach me? And I got to this part of God knows you, or what is it? I know Ephraim. But, and then it goes on to, to the end part of that, where it says, um, for the spirit of hoarders within them, and they know not the Lord. And I was actually incredibly convicted by that. Um, and part of my conviction came from that idea of, of some of the things that I'm going through um, and dealing with. I've not been trusting God as I want. And sometimes I, I say, you know, I'll throw a little sarcastic joke in there like, you know, um, I'm not trusting God all the time. I mean, sometimes I do. And I realized how much that has to hurt God's heart that I don't fully trust him in my circumstances. And sometimes I turn to my own knowledge of something or I turn to other things or people to answer the questions and the things that I'm going through as opposed to being fully relied on God. And I realize that sometimes in my prayer life and in the way that I relate with God, I don't fully know God because I do chase after some of those other idols. And I realize that my sin sometimes is just as bad as being a whore that participates in bail sex with um, soon or soon to be married virgins. <laughs> I just like saying that whole thing. But no, in all reality, like I'm just like every piece of that, our sin. If you ever run for president, that's uh-huh. going to come back to get you. Hey, well, um, I don't plan on running for president. Um, Not anymore. <laughs> But it's one of those things that I realized that that really my sin is incredibly painful. That's that's me. I sent oh, you a, okay. an, the article I just mentioned the first time it failed to send, but I think that uh, it'll really it's a really great article that'll okay. help you with this. But okay. Go on. Um, it's David Paulson, Idols of the Heart and Vanity Fair. It's okay. it's from the. Uh, something of Christian counseling people. Oh, okay. It's it's wonderful. Oh, but sorry. but yeah. I realized that. Um, anyway, excuse me, I was burping. Anyway, so I realized though that like my sin, no matter how small or tiny it is, 
is actually incredibly hurtful to the God that I want to love Mm -hmm. and that I genuinely want to know and that he wants to have that relationship with me. So really anything outside of God that I look at or pursue or that I turn to as, as an act of trust or understanding outside of God is actually... I mean, it's actually worshiping an idol and turning away from God. And so like that whole idea of a line and and stepping over that line or how close to the line I can get or what sins are permissible. When I think about it, even just saying, you know, I struggle with trusting God or or certain things like that. I mean, we worship a jealous God who genuinely Mm -hmm. loves us and wants that deep, intimate relationship with us. And and many times it's, it's myself or it's, um, or it's, or it's my own sin that, that gets in the way of that. And I realize that it's really no different than the things that, that are being dealt with here in the book of Hosea. Yeah, it's, I mean, you're 100% right. We, we definitely have our um, daily idols. Mm-hmm. And we don't, sometimes we don't know what they are. Um, <clears throat> one of the, I don't want to get too off on a tangent, uh, but I just know that like, uh, imposter syndrome is something that a lot of men deal with it basically is am i actually the person who's supposed to be in this job i feel like i'm faking it and i don't really know what i'm doing but i need to put on air so that everybody believes it like i know what i'm doing kind of thing mm-hmm. um and that's something that like i've dealt with before but i'm i've realized and i'm still dealing with it so don't think i got past it yet um is that that's also an idol because your idol of approval of others i mean it's like Oh man, that's not even safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like trying trying to aim for that attaboy and the pat on the back is not even safe. Mm-hmm. Like we we should be looking for God's approval and who we are and yeah. understanding it's like, you know, our goal in life is to bring him fame and glory and some mm-hmm. uh, it's in the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That whole sentence right there is God in heaven, how amazing is your name? Mm-hmm. And that's our, you know, our goal in life. Well, even Matthew, what, Matthew 5 through 7, like when you're talking the Sermon on the Mount, you're talking into where do you want your reward? Do you want it from God or do you want it from man? And it's many times in, in many of those things, it's where is your pursuit? Um, is your pursuit, um, do, you, do you want that acclamation or do you want that, yay, good job from people or do you want that from God? And it's like, ooh. You know, sadly enough, I want to say I want them from both. But the reality right. of it is, is where should we really want? I mean, genuinely, we just want to please our, our, our God. I had, you know? I had a mental breakdown with that not, not too long ago because I was um, I've been trying to let my so I'm virtual. Um, our tithe is done through we can tithe through our churches uh, through. A, it'll be on our app, but like we can already tie through the company that our app's being hosted through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try and make it a point to let them see that I'm tithing and like to see how much money I'm giving up uh, per month so that they can kind of get an idea of that. It's an important thing. Uh, and there, there was part of me that's like, this is so dumb, but like, Oh man, what did they pat dad on the back? There goes my treasure in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my reward. I guess I get it now. But, but then it's like, well, the reward of seeing my boys grow up to honor God with their finances is mm-hmm. a, good reward right i mean i'll be happy to to forego that little bit in heaven to see them grow up to be you know good men but yeah definitely uh, yeah it's it's a hard 
golden retrievering, people pleasing. Yeah. I always call it because golden retrievers are dogs. Like, hey, I'm your buddy. Okay. Um, being a golden retriever is a, definitely a hard place to live your life, and it's it wears you down, and it's a, it is a huge idol mm-hmm. that approval process mm-hmm. that you Absolutely. want. Um, Man, I don't even know where we were. Yeah, five through seven. Yeah. The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Israel and Ephraim shall stumble in his guilt. Judah also shall stumble with them. With their flocks and herds they shall go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn from them. They have dealt faithlessly with the Lord, for they have borne alien children. Now the new moon shall devour them with their fields. Sounds like fun. Not really. It sounds like some sci-fi <laughs> up in here. We got we got Yahweh going with the sci-fi movie. We got mm-hmm. aliens being born and moons devouring them in the field. And Yeah. Later on, we got some lions attacking and devouring and tearing them to pieces. That's a different kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> we got this some rated R stuff going one. on, right? Um, so anyway, uh, what you got on that? Uh, the, the biggest standouts, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about five, how that actually correlates a little bit into three and four, obviously. Uh, six shows that they're oblivious. Uh, it says, with their flocks and herds, they shall go to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He is withdrawn from them. Basically saying the people will continue doing their traditions, sacrificing. I think uh, that's what my commentary says the flocks and herds are really pertaining to. Uh, they'll continue to sacrifice, making pilgrimages to the temples and to the, you know, uh, to, or, you know, the local temples or tabernacles. I, I don't think they're using tents at this point. It's all temples at this point, right? Uh, yes. Cause this would be well after Solomon's This is way temple. after. Yeah. So, you know, they're continuing to go to the local holy places of worship and et cetera. Um, but they're, they're not going to find him. He's not there. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're going to keep doing this, but I'm not in it. Right. It's, you're going to keep tithing, but, like you're you're doing it for show you're mm-hmm. doing it because you want that once again that purity that you you're not obtaining because you're still in the midst of Baal worship right and you, that's where you have your um alien children or you know that <laughs> are being pre, you know um conceived during their Baal sex practices um yeah it says yeah. the the new moon is most likely pointing out the improper celebration of uh, festivals, including like the Hebrew festivals of the new moon. Yep. Um, and these violations are <coughs> basically the reason for their judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, the, I was actually talking with, uh, my wife about this yesterday cause we were talking about Genesis 34. Dinah is born and then, uh, mm. or not born. Dinah is raped. And then, uh, Jacob's sons. So here's the story. Uh, Father Abraham had many sons. One of them was Jacob. Jacob had more sons than Abraham uh, because he had like, you know, 12. But he also had some daughters. One of them was Dinah. And uh, Dinah was raped by a Canaanite. And the uh, uh, Israel's sons or Jacob's sons were like, you know what? We ain't going to have this. And they go out and say, hey, uh, dude, you, you know, you raped our sister, but you're saying you want to marry her. Uh, we'll let you do that, but you have to circumcise yourself. And uh, in order for our sister to be able to marry into your family. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool, man, we'll do it. And he's like, hey, yeah, not just you, but like your whole family, like all your people. So they're like, all right, fine, we'll go do it. So they go and perform this, this ceremony on themselves, surgery on themselves, and then they go in there and they kill them all. Uh, Jacob's sons go in there and say, oh, while you're resting up and you don't want to fight because you had a very sensitive surgery, uh, we're going to stab you all with swords and arrows and stuff. 
uh, kind of like that. And people are like, whoa, 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 what's going on? It's That was one of the examples of how serious uh, it was to not intermarry with people that practice pagan and foreign worship. Uh, the commandment to uh, Jacob was not to take a wife from the Canaanites, but to return to his people and to get a bride from uh, there. And so he did, and he goes, and, or no, is that Isaac? It was Isaac that was not supposed Yeah, whatever, they're all mm-hmm. not supposed to. Uh, yeah, it was Jacob. Okay, okay whatever. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to intermarry. And the idea behind that is if they would have intermarried there, they would have been violating, uh, you know, what God had decreed for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so despite the fact that Jacob's sons operated in a somewhat deceitful and sketchy manner, uh, God still allowed that sketchiness to carry out his will of them not to intermarry. So we get all the way to Hosea and they don't take it serious anymore. And now they're intermarrying with people that are leading them into Baal worship. They're not even marrying. They're just like, yeah, actually, they're just having alien doing babies. the deed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not even like yeah. getting married. I mean, cause these are soon to be married virgins. Right. I mean, they're, they're having, and if there's any Molech involved there, which there probably is they're they're possibly having children to sacrifice like the purpose behind that child won't even be to live. Yeah. Um, it'll be a further abomination. Yeah. But yeah, so there's, there's a, there is a command not to intermarry with people that practice pagan worship. And there they are doing that anyway. So you don't have bale sex under trees with virgins. No, I don't. Um, I don't have any bale trees one. And then I'm sacrifice. married. Um, right. so, you know, I'm kind of a one woman guy. That's good. Yep. That's all I got. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's easier that way. It is much I feel like easier I'm that honoring way. God with my marriage. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know how Solomon did it anyway. Like, dude had like how many wives? I mean, more like worship, right? Whoops. <laughs> 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 All right. So, anyway, so yeah, I'm sorry. Any more on that section? No. So the next section is based in history. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. gonna share some of the history. Um, that's going on as we get into 8 through 15. While you do that, I'm going to stand up right here at the table, okay. which takes me away from the mic, right. because I'm having my IT band issues. Okay. So carry on with the story time, <laughs> Dr. Okay. Scott. Doctor? No. So PhD. <laughs> well, again, when I tell Scott I'm not going to do something, I get stuck doing it. I have no intention, unless God wants me to, to ever go back to school um, to get my doctorate, because that sounds like too much work, and I don't want to. Um, Tell the story. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, the history and the background. So, this passage is set uh, within the context of the Syro-Ephraimatic War between 735 and 733 B.C. Um, For a while, it has been quiet. Um, The the quiet time of the last years of the reign of Jeroboam is in the past. Um, you see kind of a rising conflict within this area. Um, part of it comes from Tiglath-Pileser III, um, who... Tiglath-Pileser. Shut up. Um, Thank you, Dr. Sarah Fudge. See, I, She's got a real doctorate. <laughs> I don't know what I'm on. So what is it, Tiglath? What is it? Tiglath-Pileser. Tiglath-Pileser. Man, I've been saying it wrong for so long. He basically ascended the Assyrian throne, um, marched with his uh, um, armies west. His main goal was he wanted to recapture cities um, or controlled areas that Assyria had once controlled. Um, Some of the surrounding um, 
countries uh, realize that, uh, well, wait a second, last time they tried this, we were able to gather an alliance uh, of other countries that did not want to see the Assyrians take over, and they were able to successfully push back the Assyrian invasion. Um, Judah? Just a quick reminder, the Assyrians are bad dudes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've talked about them before. They used a horror based, not horror, H-O, horror Mm -hmm. based warfare to uh, basically make you surrender before they even got there. And their favorite things to do um, was war and hunting. Um, Archaeologists have discovered that the Assyrians were actually merciless and savage people. Mm -hmm. Um, They were ruthless, but they were also very effective in the way that they did things. Some of their, uh, some of the ways that they dealt with uh, was um, psychological intimidating, burning cities, burning children, impaling victims on stakes, beheading, chopping off heads, um, and yeah. Um, they, they would impale their... Uh, so if they're marching through <laughs> a area to uh, destroy, what they would do is they would take uh, women and children out and they would pierce them uh, with spikes and lead them by a chain and march them to the next city. And they would take the men and they would cut off their heads and put them on spikes. And then they would put all that outside the next city that they're going to attack and say, if you don't, uh, you know, surrender, this is going to be you. Uh, if I recall correctly, they're also one of the first to use things like boiling oil in warfare. And they would fling it over and basically scald and burn their victims without even, you know, they'd fling it over with a trebuchet type contraption or whatever over the walls and, you know basically cause horrific burns on you. Hopefully mm-hmm. you, you know, died or else you'd be in terrible pain for the rest of that battle yeah. kind of thing. So this was not a group of people that you wanted to invade yeah. um, and yeah. win. Um, many times they would actually ask for tributes and that sort of thing. And so they would give people the opportunity of, of paying tribute. Sometimes they would honor that and sometimes they wouldn't. Um, uh, however, usually it was a, um, they tried very hard utilizing some of those tactics to make sure that the people did pay that tribute um, but then Hezekiah, Hezekiah was one, one of, of them. those and you that can read their side of the story on the Sennacherib <clears throat> prism. Uh, and you can read the account in second Kings because of think, Hezekiah because Hezekiah was the one that stopped paying tribute. No, he paid tribute at least once. Right. But I, his daddy but was the one that started say, were, paying. Right. And they were outside the city. Assyria was. Yeah. And then. God basically wipes out the Assyrians and Sennacherib's uh, prism tells the story, but it's incomplete. He says, right. I had Hezekiah caged up like a bird and he ends the story there. Right. He never <laughs> says what happened. Didn't next. tell what, how it finished. Yeah. But sorry. Yeah. Go on. Anyway. Yeah. So um, basically you have uh, the Northern kingdom and oh, I forget who it was. Um, uh, Pika of Israel. So the Northern kingdom banded together with a resin of Aram and a number of other small kingdoms, and they wanted to basically stop the advance. Judah was invited to be a part of this. However, Ahaz refused to join the alliance. Um, So what they did is they were planning on attacking Ahaz of Judah. Judah sent out a little message to the leader of Assyria and said, hey, tell you what, let's join forces, Um, which making alliances was not something that, that God ultimately allowed during that time period. And and so both of those would have been uh, sent against God to make those alliances. The Northern Kingdom did lose. 
They had to pay tribute, were forced to accept some pagan religious practices. Um, eventually, uh, much of uh, Israel's population was deported. Uh, most of the land uh, holdings were reduced uh, to the central country of Ephraim and Benjamin. Um, Judah actually claimed, uh, reclaimed uh, Gibeah and Reba as part of its northern defense. Um, the rest of Israel's land was incorporated into the Assyrian province, and really, for the most part, this would be the end of the northern kingdom. Um, so it did not go well. So as we get into chapter 5, verse 18 through through 12 especially... You mean 8 through 12. What did I say? Oh, 8 18, through 12, yeah, because there is no 18. Um, we're getting into some of this history and some of what's going on in the background, um, so we can kind of understand some of the terminology and some of the stuff that's going on um, as we get into that. Did that make sense? Yeah, I did. Um, <clears throat> I got some of the same stuff. Uh, stuff there when we get to verse 10 we'll talk about some speculation though okay so and so so for a lot of that i used some of young blood's bible dictionary i used some of the elizabeth some other uh, those are kind of the the main sources to help tie those pieces together to kind of tell the history and background behind that um that's not where the speculation is there i just want to read i my notes on this section basically say what you're talking about yeah (laughs) um did you already read it no, I haven't read oh, it. Oh, okay, sorry. No. Uh, so when you read, I was saying in ten, there's some speculation, but uh, there's no textual evidence to support, or outside evidence to support what's going on. So right. go ahead and read it, and then we'll all talk. Right. That's all. Um, blow the horn in Gibeah, uh, the trumpet in Ramah. Um, sound the alarm at Beth Haven. Uh, we follow you, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall become a desolation in the day of judgment or punishment. Of, in the day of punishment among the tribes of Israel, I make known what is true. The princes of Judah have become like those who have, who move the landmark. Upon them I will pour out my wrath like water. Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment, because he was determined to go after filth. But I am like a moth in Ephraim and like dry rot in the house of Judah. Should I finish it? Re- or? Read a third... <clears throat> Yeah, finish it. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to the great king, but he is not able to cure you or heal your wound. For I will I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will carry off and no one shall rescue. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me. Hooray. That's not a pretty picture, by the way. No, not at all. It's actually a very bleak. Good thing we had all the joking and stuff at the beginning of this. Yeah, because this is not. Yeah, it's a. uh, So, yeah, basically, we're talking about the punishment that they're going to bear that's coming at the hands of uh, a foreign enemy, which would be kind of a big deal to Israel at that time because that was one of the things that they were they would have that nationalistic pride of we're above these others despite the fact they're joining them in their ceremonies but they would have been like hey we're above this group and now this group is coming to destroy us mm-hmm. and there's nothing we can do about it so it's like they're being killed by the unclean by those that they're not even supposed to touch or whatever suddenly uh, that nationalism or even a, you might even say racism would play into uh, what was happening in this battle mm-hmm. is it would it would be even more uh, disgusting to them. Yep. Uh, 
the big thing I had about 10 was, um, it says Judah is also bearing God's wrath. Uh, some scholars have said this might be because they're taking advantage of the situation and moving a boundary marker. Yeah, that's because I was a little bit confused and I was like, well, wait a second. Like, that, that was the only thing I could come up with, but I, I hadn't read anything that said specifically what that sin was. Yeah, basically in uh, the law, I wonder if it was in Deuteronomy or not. I think it actually was in Deuteronomy. Yeah, you're not supposed to dishonestly take over someone's property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yes. Yeah, we, we yeah. talked about that actually a couple yes. of times. I think there's a few places in that. So while Israel is getting lit up by the Assyrians, Judah is like, eh, we'll take a couple more miles here and we'll move the boundary stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're you know, using Israel's demise to have dishonest gain, which is a violation of the law. Right. So by violating the law, although they're not you know, part of a sex cult, they are still sinning. Mm-hmm. And that's potentially what the issue could be. But once again, there's no uh, historical or textual evidence to support this at this time. Right. So um, so we see Judah's not innocent. Right. Um, both Israel, um, both the north and the south, um, thought that they would protect themselves against Assyria by making alliances. So in verse 11, where it says, Ephraim is op- uh, oppressed, crushed in judgment because he was... Uh, determined to go after filth. Wait. What? <laughs> uh, I lost you there. I did too. So anyway, I think I put down the wrong verse. Um, um, yep. Take over while I'm looking. Wait. Um, I, my next notes were really on 12. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment because he was determined to go after filth. So I think she, w- so Elizabeth was talking about how um, Israel thought it would protect themselves by going after, by allowing, by creating other alliances. But that actually goes against what would God ask for them to right. do. Um, I mean, they're not allowed to build alliances w- with other countries and other nations. Um, Oh, so in 13, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to the great king, but he is not able to cure you or heal your wound. So verse 13, um, for I will be like a lion to you. So you had verse 12. So I guess before I go on. No, yeah, but what you're saying does tie back in is he's basically saying you're appealing to Assyria for your salvation, for Mm -hmm. your help. And that's part of your problem. Yeah. You want them to cure and heal your wound. But they can't because mm-hmm. they're yep. they're no it's no good for you <laughs> to go to mm-hmm. those enemies. Um, so verse twelve is a lot of times we hear how God is described in the Bible, and it's usually very brilliant, magnificent, amazing things. But this is, I believe, the only uh, place where God likens Himself to things that are just absolutely vile. Um, he says, but I am like a moth. Uh, that can also be translated maggot or larva. So he's like, you know, something that destroys. If you ever have moth holes in your clothes, it's a moth that's slowly eating your, your fabrics. If, if it's larva or maggots, it's feasting on corpses and death. You know, it's a very strong picture. Either way, it's a destructive picture. Um, he says, and like dry rot to the house of Judah. Uh, both of these are saying... I'm a permanent thing that you can't just fix. If you have moths, you you 
usually can't get rid of them. You usually have to get rid of the clothes that have been destroyed. Like there's not usually repairing. If you want to go into the larva maggots, if it's feasting on your corpse or whatever, you usually have to cut off the body part that they're feasting on. It's it's gone. It's gangrenous. It's not going to heal. Ew. Um, the dry rot in a house, if you have even if you have termites or anything like that, once you have dry rot, you have to cut that piece out. You can't just say, oh, we're going to patch it up because whatever's eating that will now start to eat whatever you patch up and it will continue to spread throughout the entire house. These are incurable and fatal as opposed to, you know, like, oh, we can put a Band-Aid on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and God is using that to describe his wrath in mm-hmm. himself in this point. It's the weirdest worship song you'll ever sing at church. God, you're like, you know, dry rots in my soul it, like it just doesn't you know it doesn't yeah, come off yeah um and then he says when Ephraim saw a sickness in judah his wound uh commentators say that that is still referring the sickness and the wound are still referring to god and um you would also for wound actually uh it would be a infected or pus filled wound so once again it's still uh it's a you, oh you got a wound you stubbed your toe we'll put a band-aid some neospore and you're fine if you have a pus-filled infected wound, it's going to take more than a Band-Aid. It's something that, once again, at that time, would have to be cut out or cut off. Hmm. It's a it's a disgusting imagery, but it's basically saying you can't get rid of God and what he's doing. He's, as Thanos would have said, inevitable. This is the nerdiest one yet. <laughs> um, it's inevitable. It's, You're just trying to keep it nerdy at yeah. this point. <laughs> there's, there's nothing they can do about it. It, it was it was those words there, God likening himself to things that are permanent and something you can't just avoid. Mm-hmm. So, And yet they're trying um, because the Assyrians... Right. Uh, I yeah, mean, they're going to run away from God. Right. The Assyrians already are part of God's judgment um, being held against them. And so there's nothing that they can do, no alliance, no nothing. And really, why would you make an alliance with Assyria? But whatever. Um, yeah. and, and of, all honest, of all people. Right, yeah. seriously, like... You don't think they're going to turn their back on you, like with all the way? I mean, you know, you know what they're about. But anyway, so so yeah, th- there's no other way of doing it. Um, and then 13 through 15, actually, he continues some of that imagery, right? Yeah. Well, he goes on to a more violence. So before we have this festering, incurable kind of this internal destruction, now he kind of goes to this external violence with the lion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So far I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I will tear and go away. I will carry off and no one shall rescue. Um, and so I guess Elizabeth was saying the Hebrew of verse 14 seems fairly violent. I will be like a lion. I will tear them to pieces. Yeah. And if you've ever watched any of the discovery channel, lion hunting a zebra thing, a lot of times the, like lion will kill and then they will drag that back away or you won't find it again. You know, especially if it was a smaller prey, you know, they'll tear it mm-hmm. apart and take the pieces and scatter them. So some wonder if that's pertaining maybe to the exile mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, it's, it's a violent rip to shreds kind of thing. Yep. Very strong wording. So um, probably not the Bible study you should read to your kids tonight. Or depending on your kids. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but if you do get to, uh, and we do got to kind of wrap up anyway, but um, if you do look at that, uh, at the end it says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me. At some point they're going to recognize his power and they're going to come back. 
they're yeah. going to recognize that he's the one in control. And this is a common theme throughout what most of the minor prophets anyway, is that this idea of sin, um, discipline slash punished, um, repenting um, by the people of God, and then restoration by God himself. And, um, and unfortunately, almost every time that, I believe every time that they repent, it's after going through a period of being torn apart. Yep. So it, it never ends. It doesn't. And, and it's not like it's much different nowadays. I mean, I think there's still those times where we go through the wilderness, we go through that time of discipline, and um, we then um, repent, we are restored, and mm-hmm. we screw up again. Right. So with that, uh, yeah, with that. Well, hey guys, thanks for listening. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, not a lot. I mean, right now it seems very hopeless and very bleak. Uh, we'll see where it leads. We still got some more <laughs> chapters left. Yeah, we're still we're we're cutting through the thick of it right now, but um, we'll we'll see where it leads, and uh, hopefully, uh, you will find ways to praise God before you're seeking Him after you bend about God. <laughs> <laughs> And if you write that worship song, yeah, um, no moths and and podcast at outlook.com. We'd love to hear it. Tearing <laughs> them to pieces, um, we, we will definitely share it yeah. and give you full credit for it. All right, hey guys, we're running short on time, but thanks for listening. And hopefully, this audio is as good as I'm hoping it is. And uh, when I stop this here, it's all good. So once again, until next time, bye bye. bye.